welcome to season two of Civil Conversations with Matt Aguido. And I thought it was the right thing to kick this season off with Black Lives Matter. With what really is Black Lives Matter? Uh, this is a very complex conversation. And I brought on three amazing people to have this conversation with. Uh, just Jasmine Hines, Rob Doggett, and Lisa Robinson. Uh, they all come with different perspectives. But the thing about Black Lives Matter isn't necessarily only about the words Black Lives Matter, but about the organization. And then also, how expansive is the terminology Black Lives Matter? Does it only apply to police brutality? Or does it you know, apply to just everyday living in black communities. So listen up. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation and thank you guys for tuning in. What really is Black Lives Matter? It kind of does. I mean, like for me, it goes back to relationship as well. And like, I like what you said about individual, you know, at the beginning of it. And you're right. It's, it's a tough situation when it comes to that form of education. I will say that like, there is an experience some of the best experiences I think we've all had have been with relationships that we have, right? If they're, when I'm saying some of my best educational experiences, not the bad experiences, we've all had rough friendships or relationships, but like if we're in relationship with somebody of another race and they actually get to know you, being able to utilize those relationships to speak up about some of the things that are going on in our lives is a form of education. And I think that's, that's, that's important. You know, um, the, the, yeah, and so I think the 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 part that's important for us to realize is that when you have those who are let's just use the protest aspect and 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 protest and I'll add on trailing any form of rioting that's a that is a, the aggressive change right and I know that you had shown in um I don't know if you showed this but no you don't have to but on the Black Lives Matter site they even have like these kits for like things to help people kind of mobilize and and mm -hmm. so, and so forth. that's cool. Um, but the, the, the movement that's happening in corporate America right now, again, I have to speak for those who are not on here, not because I feel like I 100% agree or disagree, but it's important. There's a level of forceness that's occurring that has made people who are non-Black or even some that are Black uncomfortable. Now, I know that uncomfortability is part of change, so I'm not actually arguing with that. But you've now tied their paychecks to this thing, right? Where it's you have diversity and inclusion and equity training, you have you know um, racial awareness training, you know uh, white fragility talks and so on and so forth. I'm not here to start calling people white, fragile white folks. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just that it's now tied to our paychecks. When I go to work every day, I now have to do my job and to listen to this black stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, and that's, I think that's hard for some people. So go ahead and Rob or, or Rob look like, well, first off, Jasmine yeah. looks great. But uh, <laughs> I do want to say something real quick because it relates to what Rob said earlier about education. When he was saying that for Black education, it needs to be Afrocentric, I would say that for everybody in America, it needs to be Afrocentric. Like, that's where it needs to start. Like, if we know that the, the, the existence of man, woman, person, Hood began in Africa, then that needs to be globalized. Like that education needs to be global. Like that's an acceptable form of education to know that the Garden of Eden is in Africa, right? Like we need to know that, that Jesus was not blonde hair, blue eyed and white, like that Michelangelo painted him such, right? So like, let's get that kind of education 
um, so that we're speaking the same language. And I think that that uncomfortability that you're speaking of, Matt, really just has to do with lack of education. Because once people know, and, and Lisa, maybe you can attest to this in your own experience, but once you know the truth, you get real comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just, just got a few, a few points. One, as far as uh, education, you know, we're talking about it starting sort of on an individual basis and, and yes, that's important, but our challenge in, in education is it needs to be institutionalized or it needs to be a organized method to educate our people. Meaning right now we have public schools, right? And there's a public school curriculum and our kids are all going to public school and they're learning an education that is not, is not helpful for them. It basically teaches them how to go out and work for someone else. Uh, that's the education system we have, right? Mm -hmm. It teaches them to go out and essentially, you know, is, you know, be be a servant, right, to someone else. So we need an education system that is empowering, but we need a platform to be able to push that out because relying on individual people to figure this out on them, their own is not going to happen, especially when you're inundated with the media and you're going to the these schools that are not educating you. Um, so that's the you know first point of education. Then to Matt's point on uh, with regards to the workplace, right? You know, Mike, and this is I'm in with a question on this, but the reason, from my perspective, this is becoming more important in the workplace, and you see it, for example, in the NBA, where now they're talking about Black Lives Matter, and they're really trying to cater to this. But I think part of the impetus that's driving this is because it's affecting their bottom line. <laughs> okay, I mean, it it ultimately does affect the bottom line. Okay, in terms of profits, and so. In my view, until black lives starts affecting the money, you know, again, it's just my opinion, until it starts affecting that, then I don't really see a whole lot changing um, because really you have to have the mechanism to force change. Just asking for it and begging for it and hoping and pleading and that it's going to change, that's great. You know, sometimes change happens that way. But we need to have the ability and the power, economic power, to be able to um, to enforce that. And this is something Dr. Claude Anderson talks a lot about, right? In uh, poweronomics. But um, anyway, I just wanted to leave on that point. And my question to the to the panel, real quick, is just: What do you think will? Why should why should the system change? I mean, what if you are the system, right? Let's say you are the system. Why should you change? Well, can I can I be the first one to answer that question? If y'all don't mind, I know it's like quote unquote my show, but I I, I don't want to be rude. Um, you you ever hear like when people like say things like um, uh, they don't want me to, or it's like you you know they don't this or the the people or the man and these different things. I feel like your question is valid, but what system, right? Because there, depending on who you're talking to, the system is different. And I think that question is hard to answer, right? So from, a, from, from and again, we're not a monolith, even in our request for what to be changed, because not every black person wants anything to, uh, everything to change, because some black people don't want anything to change. They're perfectly fine where they are, right? You see what I'm saying? And so I don't know how easy it is to ask that question, not because your question, answer that question, not because your question is not valid, mm -hmm. but Jasmine will have something to say, this is what I want. Or at least to say, this is what I want. But okay, that's cool. But you know, well, John Street. Yeah. Is well, the system I'm talking about is we're talking about systemic racism, right? Systemic racism. I'm talking about that system. Mm -hmm. You know, what 
lives in all systems, right? But, that's the true yeah. line of all systems. But I still believe that that's a hard one to answer because what? how do you identify system? And again, I'm not saying I disagree, but I got to play angel slash devil's advocate. Angel advocates for those people that are watching it holy, uh, over holy, but I'm just going to devil have devil's advocate. Um, like what, what, where does system, where does systemic racism actually exist? Right. I'm going to tell you something. If this were easy, we would not be having this conversation. No, like, we, are, we are trying to address 450 years at least, right. Of racism. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Yes. It's going, it's very difficult. And we may not see the kind of utopia that we all dream of or our aspirational goals in our lifetime. But can we get a little bit of liberation right here and now? And how do you go about that as your individual self to get that? Like, yeah. focus there. So start yeah. with yourself. In what ways are you beholden to power? Analyze that for yourself. Look at all aspects of your life. And in what ways are you beholden to power? Are you beholden to the cash? Are you beholden to your boss? Are you beholden to your parents? Like, who are the power? Who holds the power in your life? And how are you beholden to that? Yeah. And then dismantle that. Start yeah. there. Okay, that's a that's a that's a hey, that's a fair perspective. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. Lisa, you got a thought on that? And I want to pivot to something about the expansiveness um real quick of Black Lives Matter. But go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, I you know, it's such an am amazing question, and it's one that um, is hard to answer for all of the reasons stated. I think, you know, if, if I were to speak for myself <laughs> as a white person in the current system, the answer is it, it doesn't change, right? Like it shouldn't change because I'm privileged by it, right? So like I recognize that and I recognize how unfair that is. And so my personal journey is, okay, I can walk the walk and talk the talk and have all these, like, you know, I can I can support the theory of Black Lives Matter and I can protest and do all this stuff. But like, when it comes down to it, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, when it comes down to it, am I really willing to give up my job so that someone else can take it uh, and be more diverse and have more of a diverse perspective? And I'm struggling with that because I know, I know that the answer is yes, I should do that because I know that my students should reflect the diversity of my, you know, of the state of California and all of this stuff. I know that. And I still struggle with it because I'm like, but I've got student loans and blah, blah, blah. So to answer the question, <laughs> it's hard to answer the question. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm struggling with that because I know that things need to change, but I'm still benefiting from the power structure that exists. And so it's really hard to come away from that. Mm -hmm. I respect the answer, Lisa. I appreciate you saying that. But what makes me cringe and my face was getting all tight is it's the mentality, right? It's the, it's the scarcity mentality that we have to address. It's the binary mentality. It's either or I give up or I take like it's that mentality that we have to start to question. Why do we, why am I believing that that is the truth? Mm -hmm. so for example, I, I had a person who was on, on a board and the question was like, we need a black person on our board. And a white man said, well, I'll give up my seat. Why is that the answer? Do you not have another seat that you can bring into the boardroom? Right? So like begin to question your own assumptions process. Well, and some of that, and some point, of that, where is that coming from? And who said, who gets to decide? And, and I think some of that goes back to like, um, I'm bringing this up example. We will not go into this rabbit hole, please. I'm saying this right now. We're not going to this rabbit hole. But when you think about the whole thing that was um, argued in the debates last week around packing the courts, right? 
um, or something. I think it's like expanding the, the Supreme Court. I think some of that goes back to their systems that are just put together that people don't know that they can change. So you're right, Jasmine. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at it and saying who has to give up this. Like, why should you give up the seat? Just make another chair. I think some people need to think it's almost like the example earlier about, hey, can I stop and say go to the bathroom? I think someone needs to stand up and say, why not just add another seat? Right. So it's just getting used to I'm not trying to make excuses, but it's the truth. Right. No matter what your race is, if you have something that's in place, you don't know if you can go against what's in place. Right. So that's it's just the mentality of like, what do we do? No matter what your culture, is. it's culture. It te- culture teaches us to be beholden to power, and that we are not allowed to speak up or speak out against people who oppress us or or, or against power. Period. It begins right. at home. It begins with our parents. Like it's reinforced in every system that we look at. So I want to pivot after you, Lisa. I want to pivot to something that's pretty important. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, Jasmine, I really appreciate you uh, you mentioning that. And you're absolutely right. Viewing it from a place of scarcity does no one any favors. And I think that's great. And I would say that I would venture a guess that a lot of uh, non-Black folk like me uh, who are uh, grappling with this sort of thing might be coming from a place of fear because of the scarcity mindset. So I'm just so glad that you brought that up. Thank you. So I will touch this. Um, if this is important. Um, let's take a step, the pivot over um, to something else. Statistics get utilized significantly when it comes to the African American culture, when it comes to uh, anything around fatherless, kids, crime uh, within the inner, within the black community. Um, I intentionally have stayed away from the terms black on black crime, and I can talk about that in another in another conversation. Um, when it comes to education that that basically warrants um, higher pay, maybe or whatever, or just kind of just overall like uh, uh, corporate education, you can kind of say that, right? Skills, um, trades, etc. Um, uh, and when that stuff happens, what ends up happening is you have within all communities. Because I'm, I'm, I'll admit, I'll stand up and say that I'm one of them that says, yes, Black Lives Matter. Um, and I don't, and if you notice, one thing I loved about this conversation is majority of this conversation, we did not talk about police brutality almost at all. Not because it's not important, but because that has been the main area of Black Lives Matter. But on the flip side, people are saying very legit things like, what's going on in your community right now? Why are you killing each other, right? There was one story that occurred one weekend where the guy was walking with his daughter in the Bronx and Dude pulls up, puts the gun out, pops him in his head in front of his four-year-old daughter. He dies. And legitimately so, from all races, the statement was, didn't that man's Black life matter also? And so I think it's important that we talk about that in this conversation. And what do you guys think? I just want to put that out there for discussion around that. All lives, uh, all Black lives matter, basically, is what I'm saying. Well... So let's say this, because it hasn't been clearly stated. All lives will matter when Black lives matter. Okay, let's just be very clear about that. When Black lives are prioritized and centered, and we are taking care of all Black lives, Black trans lives, when we find the support and resources to uplift Black lives in this country so that we are on on parity, right? Like it was mentioned earlier that um, black people are not earning enough. Well, actually we're not paid 
on, on parity, right? So let's talk about that. When we talk about the breakdown of families, like why, why is it only acceptable to have heteronormative family structures, right? When we talk about crimes in neighborhoods, why are we not talking about the over-policing in neighborhoods and the under-policing in others? And so I think that's, I think that's not good. We need to have, um, and holistically, we need to ask, you know, just do a little bit more digging about the perspectives because we know statistics can be used and manipulated. And that is not to say that, you know, we got stuff in our family we got to fix. And there's stuff in other people's families that's just not talked about. Yeah, I, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I don't disagree with you. However, obviously in this conversation, with civil conversations, with this show, with what's out there, the perspectives exist and we have to acknowledge them. We can we can turn around and say we don't want to acknowledge them, but we have to acknowledge those perspectives. And I and I don't again, that's I'm not sitting here to 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 try to like defend anything besides saying this is what is this is this is what's being said and it's legit concern by many. What does that look like? So Jasmine, thank you for that. Rob, were you gonna say something? Uh, yeah, sure. No, I think you're you're right, uh, Matt. That is a legitimate concern. You know, again, to, to my in my thought process, it does go back to the things we've kind of discussed. It does go back to education. It does go back to culture. Um, again, we have a culture. You know, whether you want to talk about our music and and things like that, our, our entertainment industry, we have a culture that promotes us to do violence against each other. We have a culture that promotes self hate. All right. That's just the fact of the matter. And yes, it does have historical roots in, you know, in oppression and, and slavery. So that is the root cause. And until we deal with that, that that underlying, you know, uh, history, you know, really, that's still embedded in us. And as Jasmine talked about, it's still in our bodies. Right. You know, until we deal with that, really, this is going to be a problem. And as far as the, t the statistics, you know, we can we can go there. But, you know, because the problem with statistics is that I hear this, this is the argument I hear, okay? I hear that every race, you know, has their own crime, right? You know, every race, you know, kills their own because due, just due to proximity, and, and that's true. Um, but if you look at the per capita statistics, you know, as far as African-Americans, we only make up 13% of the population in America. But according to the statistics, we account for over 40% of the murders. And who are we murdering? Mostly our own. Okay, that's just what the statistics say. Folks can choose to believe it or not. But I know from my own experiences, you know, from where I grew up, that's what I was around. Okay, and that's what I experienced. That's what I saw. Okay, you know, but I, I can't speak for everybody. Um, so I do think it's something we need to address. And there's nothing wrong with saying we need to address that. Understanding that the roots of that come from history of oppression and slavery. That we need to deal with the internalization of that. Yeah, and I think can I can I allow something? And there's a there's a someone making a comment. Uh, um, Ray Sean, thank you for your comments and com actually everybody, thank you for commenting on on this chat. I want to address something Ray Sean's touching on, which I think is important. Um, and it's a little nuance. What he's touching on is like it's it's hard to hear going back down. I'm summarizing the snot out of Ray Sean right now, but basically it's hard to continue hearing the rhetoric of here's our music again. Or and, and one of the comments he made, which I actually will put up on the screen real quick is um hold on a second um is basically you know it's where to go oh it was basically saying it's like it's like comparing apples and oranges right when we're talking about the the crime that's happening in the in the in the communities 
versus the crime that's happening against black Americans. And mm -hmm. so I don't necessarily disagree with where he's coming from because I think that's legit. Yeah. Um, I will say that the hard part about it, though, is as frustrating as it is to hear as a black person that that stuff gets thrown back at us as music and everything like that. It is what the non-black people are easy to see and hear and be able to point to. And also those who are, to Rob's point, grew up in neighborhoods, and I was one of them as well, where you don't see anybody but people of color doing these things. And so I think the term Black Lives Matter, and this goes back to what really is Black Lives Matter, that words, that forget about organization, just the words Black Lives Matter has a level of being able to be shifted in any way of it can be to fit and like a goal to get resolved, something resolved, you know? Um, so I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to do that, but my point is like, I'm just giving a perspective to ensure that we, that we are. Right. Let me say something real quick about that before I lose my thought, because I'm getting old and it's, yeah. and I'm, and it's getting late. Um, but when we say Black Lives Matter, it has to be bold. It has to be brilliant. It has to be scary. It has to be, because how else are we going to stop these state sanctioned genocide? We need to call it what it is. And I don't care if uh, our, in, our internal issues of violence uh, against ourselves, that is not a green light for others to murder us, especially no, the ones that we pay taxes to. And I no, think we need to be very clear that that is, that is not a green light. Well, y'all kill yourselves, therefore we get to kill you. Is that the argument? Is that what we're talking about? No. That people who, who are, who have uh, a, a sense of humanity, and a sense of humanity and connection of spirit and humanity for themselves will do the labor that's necessary to understand the issues within their own self first, but then also within their culture and then beyond. And that's, that's all I'm asking. Take care of your stuff, right? So let's move away from this paradigm that embarrassment, guilt, and shame exist. Pretend like they don't even exist. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no such thing as guilt, shame, and embarrassment. And then start to move into atonement, acknowledgement, and taking responsibility. Because all guilt, shame, and embarrassment do, they're old tools, like we could call them the master's tools, as Audre Lorde might call them, that keep us stagnant, stifled, and, and stuck. Mm -hmm. They don't do anything for us. They do not serve us. So if we're moving into a new age, we need to get rid of tools that no longer serve us. They don't work. Yeah. Oh, I'm embarrassed. Oh, I'm ashamed. Stop. Yeah. Acknowledge that you made a decision. The decision right. did not turn out the way that you expected, and it may have caused harm. Acknowledge that you caused harm. Atone yeah. for the harm in ways that are appropriate with consent. Mm -hmm. and recognize and take responsibility. I'm taking this as a learning and I won't make the same mistake again. Right. Hey, hey Matt, just with regards to Rashad's comment, uh, you know, on the, on the music, I think um, the reason I bring that up as an example is because most of the music that's put out, you know, we don't, we don't own these music companies. Okay. Speak on it. Speak on it. Right. I mean, you look at, for example, I am a big, uh, I hate BET. Okay, I'm gonna just put it out there. Black Entertainment Television. 
This is the station, the channel that's developed for black people. Okay. Now they put out anything that's going to make them money. Okay. That's the bottom line. First of all, again, it all centers around that, right? So um, they're going to put anything that makes money, but you look at the stuff they're, they're putting out. It's, it's all poison. All right. It's all poison and music they're putting out. Okay. You look at, uh, so BT's owned by CBS Viacom. Okay. You look at their board of directors. Okay. There's not a single, the only person of color is their diversity manager who I think is, uh, you know, Latino. I, I don't know, but um, there's hardly any, any people of color on their board of directors. So, so yes, I am going to speak about BT and the type of music that they put out, the type of stuff that they promote, because we need to think about that. Where is this coming from? Who owns this stuff that we're putting into our minds mm -hmm. and affecting what comes out in our actions? We need to be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm very, I, I'm very passionate, <laughs> as you no, can tell, about yeah, that. You, know you, you, it's okay to be passionate. That's the whole point. Just like with uh, Rayshawn, which I appreciate him commenting is also passionate and you know there's people like tony and jason and all of us we're all passionate about this in some form or fashion and i think that's what's important is that we're passionate about it but we're all hopefully trying to attain the same goal which is why black lives matter has been so polarizing and confusing and lisa i gotta say this and i'm sorry i'm gonna be blunt as the white person listening to all of this like what is going through your mind right now like i, I you know like what is what's up i need to hear you yeah, so, uh, well, I loved what Jasmine was saying about shifting the paradigm from feeling guilt, shame, and embarrassment towards one of atonement, acknowledgement, and accountability. I'm looking down because I wrote chicken scratch notes because I think it's a wonderful responsibility. Thank you. Although accountability also kind of works, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we can talk about semantics, but uh, yeah, I really, I like that because I, I know as in my own journey, I've been stuck in the place of guilt, shame, and embarrassment. And whenever, you know, these kind of topics come up, it's, it's always like kind of a self-deprecating, like flagellation, like, and I got to stop that because it's not about me. It's about the, the the issues that need fixing it's about the people of color it's about you know like people that aren't me that are being oppressed so uh so i i, well, I want to say that i really like that thank say you that it is about you because um, it is about your liberation too because if we believe that our liberation is tied then i need you to be free so i can be free and you need me to be free so you can be free so when we get to the core of our humanity that's where it exists i appreciate that i i need to like we said earlier i need to unlearn like the ways that I have been um, beholden to the power of oppression mm -hmm. and things like that. So thank you for again, pointing that out. Um, you know, in terms of the BET black culture stuff, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I know enough to be able to, um, to add to that part of the conversation, but it seems to me that, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything on that. No, one. no, no. I just more just outside looking in, just wanted your perspective because the thing about it is, um, and, and again, you know, Jasmine, you, Rob, Rayshawn, all the people that are commenting have legitimate perspectives that we don't want to dismiss. And even when I brought up the points I was bringing up, these are all real people's perspectives about, about this. And do we quickly just dismiss it because we don't agree with it? Because the thing about it is they're also some of the same people who we work with every day, we live next to, we go to the same grocery store with that in some form or fashion again not saying we gotta like we're not going to convince everyone but when we are saying black lives matter or if we're saying black lives matter or if we're saying all black lives matter like it needs to resonate mm -hmm. 
And when you have certain aspects that become easily offensive for whatever reason, because now I'll be honest with you, I'll just tell you one thing that's really, I'm going to make a statement that's going to be controversial, but hey, it is what it is. I find that the organization of BLM, because of the way the media rhetoric has been around it and everyone's been negative towards it, has given a reason to some people to say, I do not support Black Lives Matter. And that makes it very hard and more difficult than when before the organization started taking more, more light. Not that's not blaming the organization, by the way. I'm not, because everyone's response to it is what I'm really more focused on, not what they're doing. So if somebody says I'm doing X, Y, Z, their excuse is, I don't want to be aligned to that. I'm good, and it's like, whoa, okay. So now, where do we go from here? Y'all feel what I'm saying? Like it's again. I'm not saying it's right. It just, but it is, it's what's happening. You know, somebody made a comment earlier and I'm going to put it up on the screen. Um, uh, her name was Molly, where she was, you know, she was just basically saying like, you know, she felt like some of the white people in her life have now used the organization as a reason not to support Black Lives Matter. Yeah, because if it's a threat and you living with a scarcity mentality, you're going to grab the lowest hanging fruit that's available and twist it so that you remain centered. So I'm not keep like I compared earlier. It, Sorry, I went a little floated, but I think I got what you're saying now. Yeah. Do, you, do I need to? I can say it a different way. I mean, so like I said earlier, like the phrase "Black Lives Matter" uh, or "All Lives Matter" is used to neutralize Black Lives Matter and to recenter whiteness. Like you're talking about yourself. No, no, no. All lives matter. My life matters, right? Like oh, as if I were a white person. That's what it, it works to do. And so when um, when there are her, her white friends or, or co-workers are saying, well, I don't I don't believe in that, like all lives matter. Uh, what they're doing is is not acknowledging her black life. Mm. They're not acknowledging her black life. They're not acknowledging her black experience. And it's a form of erasure, neutrality and erasure. Yeah, Lisa, what are you going to say? Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're absolutely on onto something there. Um, it seems to me that like the necessary precursor step to all of this is understanding that the lived experiences of Black people in this country are fundamentally different than the lived experiences of white people in this country. And there are there are people in my circles, uh, some of them that I really love, that uh, struggle with uh, adhering to Black Lives Matter as a movement because of those. Uh, distractions, right? The propaganda and everything that's going on around, you know, that. And so in my own kind of interactions, I've tried to just shift away from the movement altogether and focus on, okay, let's talk about privilege, but let me not use that word. <laughs> let me, let me see how we can kind of talk about how these experiences are different from each other. And that to me, in my, my perspective has to happen before they can then see that there are differences in the way that people are living and see how those differences can lead to deaths of uh, unarmed black people. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. I know, you know, I know, and some people are so, you know, thanks for sharing that. I, I will say, um, uh, I don't, Again, just speaking for myself, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to stay away from the words in order to still get the message across. Um, I know that there is an affinity to the words Black Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, and there's nothing wrong with that either. However, we have to, and, and I think you're, it was a huge Jasmine social study social sciences or something like that. Like, I, and again, I don't know if this falls in line with that, 
But we also need to know that when that statement is made, especially now more than two or three years ago, because it's now embedded in corporate America, the walls come up. Just just like that, boom, the walls come up. Huh? Good. Said, I want them up. And that's okay. That's when you say you're paying attention. Yeah, but that's okay for someone in your position Mm -hmm. okay with being able to have the walls come because you're okay with that level of comfortability. But then there's some people who are like where Lisa's coming from, where she's saying they need to be educated on why the statement even exists. So I'm not even going to use the statement and let me just educate them. There's nothing wrong with that either because it, it's almost like a, a, a re, I don't say a reverse way of doing it, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard because now what happens is they have now combined the two. And now what happens, you see this on right, and in, 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 um, I would say, I'm going to say more on the right side media, but in general, something happens, it's immediately said, BLM and Tifa, glass broke. BLM and Tifa, cop hit. BLM and Tifa. And so as much as this is annoying to those who support Black Lives Matter, we have to realize that the media- Psychological priming. It's just it, psychological priming. And mm -hmm. so that's why I keep saying, what really is Black Lives Matter? Because if we don't take- if we or those who are pro Black Lives Matter don't take that into consideration that the media is now flipped it, we can end up continuing again, I just think so, continuing to not us, but the people's response will continue to put walls up and make it more difficult to want to. It sucks. I'm not saying it's right, but the statement Black Lives Matter is not always the organization Black Lives Matter. And the media is now saying BLM is causing all this violence. So it's like, that graphic of that um that inverse triangle of the um the conspiracy theory if y'all google the cons the conspiracy i think it's called the conspiracy triangle i don't know matt if you have that available but we're talking about how are we detaching from reality when we start talking about um antifa you now? when we start making antifa a bad name when has it been in recent history, since World War II, because we fought in World War II against fascists, right? And now we're saying that it's a bad thing to be against fascism? Like, how are we not um, connecting that that is revolting, that is dehumanizing, and it's completely detached from reality? That you and imbibe that as if it were true that Antifa is that are you are you listening? Right. Do you understand? Is it is it penetrating at all that you're saying Antifa, whoever Antifa is, first of all, right, that's unfounded and detached. But mm -hmm. to say that to say that you're anti-fascist is a bad thing since when? So right. I just want to comment on comment on that real quick, if I if I could. You know, I, it seems to be what happens is you talk about fascism. And you're we're fighting against fascism. What happens is the other side, you know, the opposing side will say, "Well, you guys are the fascists." You know, BLM is the fascists. You know, and that's that's just it's name calling, right? But uh, what Matt was speaking about earlier, right? Initially, after the death of George, the murder of George Floyd, you know, Black Lives Matter, the movement seemed to be picking up quite a bit of ground, right? And and it, it's it seemed to be more favorable looked upon in the in the public image, right? Because they're like, wow, this, you know, this, they say saw it, right? Everybody saw the video. Um, since that time, it seems like people are getting tired of hearing about it, right? And, and they're becoming numb to it. They're like, I'm tired of hearing about it, right? And that's why I keep speaking about, you know, we need to have something actionable. So for example, 
you know, a better hashtag, not that this, this is more than a hashtag, but it's something I think is more powerful is arresting is the arrest of the police officers who killed Breonna Taylor, right? That's actionable. And that is much more powerful than just, you know, Black Lives Matters is good, right? It's powerful, but I'm, I'm saying that. Uh, well, you know, I don't know if we need to get into right? superlatives of what's better and what's not. I think both and. I carry that. No, I'm just saying it might be more effective. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying our message, if if we're trying to affect change, I'm just saying it may be more effective, right? I'm not knocking anything. I think we we need to have, um, you know, uh, whatever we can, right? I'm not, you know, not supporting that. I'm just saying that that may be more effective and um, communicate what we're trying to say more effectively. That's all. I, I get a little sensitive because it was created by my sisters and I believe in letting black women have their say <laughs> and that black lives matter as it owns stands alone because we wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for that phrase. And so I think it's important, just as important as saying, arrest the, the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor, arrest Daniel Cameron, arrest the president, right? Like all of those, it's like both and it's like both. right, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it that it's. I'm not saying that it's either or. I'm just saying that you know the reason a lot of people are moving away from the movement is because they can't see an end. <laughs> they can't see an end, right? And so they're yeah. like, you know, I'm tired of hearing about this. I mean, that's just the that's the, that's not my attitude. I'm just saying that's the sentiment for a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. So, and I want to say to your point, um, it won't stop, right? It won't stop the movement just because they're tired. It's not going to stop the movement. I will well, slow it down. So, and that, that's a problem too. Well, yeah. Movement cycle. If you study um, movement labs, you know they talk about what the movement cycle looks like, and there's there is a period of a uh, call it de-escalation, right? Where uh, where the movement is heightened by incident. Everyone's on board. The collective movement happens. The global um, protests happen, and then you you go down into the cycle. It, it's it's just the natural um, cycle of, of movements. Yeah, but, but we got to end the cycle. Yeah. We got to end the cycle. At some point, we need to know. You know, we need a goal. We need an end state where Black lives do matter in America. That's what I. That's that's what I'm trying to get to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go through. <laughs> lifetimes of cycles, right? Because this will be generations, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So, it looks like. Well, yeah, I, think so is, I, could, I guess you need to look at like, what is your expectation for yourself and your life? Well, I, I was going to touch that for a bit too. And at least I'm going to let you speak because you look like you are, you have something. I think it's, everybody has different goals and intentions. I will say that policies, and again, I, I consider myself the dumbest one between the four of us, but policies laws and all that stuff eventually do change behavior right and um you're talking about just under 60 years of us having all of our rights really really when you think about it max about 50 52 years having all of our rights in the united states of america as african americans and it's just going to take time because people are still alive from that time laws take a while to become habit unless they're immediate laws like paying taxes right for example um and, and so I think we're going to see some change and whatever laws get written today because of the BLM movement uh, or whatever impacts, let's say, I'm gonna use administrations for the purposes of who they are, right? So Barack Obama was the president under his administration when BLM started and now Trump is the, the president under his administration. Whatever these guys are doing on paper, 
figure out what's in the media. I think it's important what they're doing on paper will eventually be part of what you're talking about, Rob, as what may be like an outcome of change, but we don't know yet. And it's going to take a while to change behavior. And I think that's where movements to Jasmine point is where it just continues to go until it's really truly felt. But you're right, Rob, I think there is a little bit of exhaustion right now. And, and the media is intentionally exhausting it. And unfortunately, Jasmine, for the women who created this name, which I think they've done what they can and what they did is nothing wrong with that. It just, it does put a negative light on them, unfortunately. Not saying people want it to be, uh, you know, or I'm sure people do want it to be, but my point is like, that, that is something that they're facing. So Lisa, can you, can you uh, say something else? I want to kind of close out a bit, but go ahead, Lisa. I think it's a, it depends on the perspective of, of, that we're talking about because I don't I don't find what they're doing is negative at all. Of course not. You don't. But a lot of people do. And that, that's what, my point I'm trying to bring up is that you don't see what they're doing is negative, but somebody does. And that's that's the unfortunate balance of just the way things are. Right. Some people listen to me today and didn't like a thing I said. Somebody listened to me and absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. So yeah. like, Lisa, the culture does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just I was I don't have anything really uh, big to say. I just I I really understand and uh, appreciate Rob's point uh, because I do feel that small actionable wins by the movement will gain momentum and like diffuse the fatigue that some non-black folks have with it. And I think that it's I think it's it would be a really um, great way to capitalize uh, and help move the movement forward if we could get these small, smaller, actionable wins uh, that move the needle in general. Yeah, so it's like, the question is like, what do you see as your work? Like, what do you see as your work contributing to a small win? How do, how do your values align, if they align with Black Lives Matter, with humanity, with, you know, decreasing um, violence against uh, people of color? Kidding kids out of cages, like pick a lane, pick an issue and work that and work on it. Like that can be your action. There's so much that we can, climate injustice, right? Like we didn't even touch on that in this conversation. There's so many, healthcare, pick a system, education, pick a system. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and yeah, I, for that's not a problem. That's how you, <laughs> that's not a problem. Yeah, and then decide yeah, that's, how you wanna roll. How do you wanna take action? to create the change that you want to see. Yeah, I'm in progress. That makes no, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. So just uh, just as we kind of, as we sort of wrap up, is there anything that I want to give you guys an opportunity, 30 seconds to, if you want to talk about Black Lives Matter from your perspective or this conversation, what is it that you would want people to leave this conversation, listen to this conversation from your perspective? What is it? And I'm going to go by ladies first model if you don't mind, I'm going to go Jasmine, Lisa, and Rob. I do mind. I'm not going first. Oh, okay. Cool. Anybody else? Rob can go. All right. Yeah. So for me, the only, the only thing I would want to leave folks with is um, we have to change our, our culture. Okay. We have to change the culture. And, and that's that's internal to us. And so we, you know, my, my focus is on us building each other up, right? Uh, there are things that I'm doing, right, to, to sort of, you know, personally that, you know, towards that effort. Um, Jasmine's right. It does start with us. But each of us needs to take that action to help other help those around us. Right. So 
I really encourage you guys in whatever way you can, you know, to lift each other up and really, uh, really do that. So um, that's really my, my message um, for those, you know, who are listening. We do have to change the culture and define who we are as a, as a people. But it starts with us as individuals. So, um, you know, that's that's really all I have. Great. Thanks, Rob. Jasmine, Lisa. I can jump in so that Jasmine can have the last one. Um, I, uh, I I just want to address uh, or, or mention from my perspective as a white person um, that, you know, some of the hardest things for me in this space and in this work is um, getting comfortable with being wrong and getting comfortable with um, being insensitive. And not to say that that is a perm like gives permission to continue to do that, but to be called on my errors and to learn from them and to grow and to hear and understand that my intention does not often equal the impact that it has on people. And so, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound condescending or patronizing in any way, but um, for me in my own space, it's been the, it's been really hard for me to come to terms with that. But now that I am, I know that it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to, to feel uncomfortable. And, and that's all part of the process. Um, so if there are folks out there on this call that are kind of feeling in this space, then I just wanted to give you permission to, uh, to be there with me <laughs> and to know that it's okay to be, to be learning. No, thank you for saying that, Lisa. I appreciate that. And Jasmine? Yeah. Um, I would just offer that to put in perspective, um, I am one of the first people in my family that was born into a system in which discrimination was codified as illegal. So anyone born after 1965, um, that was the last of the discrimination laws that were codified such that you know I would have right to take someone um, to a court and defend myself um, and that there would be actionable punishment you know, upon someone who decided to discriminate me based on my race, gender, religion, and so forth. Um, so being the first generation to experience or be be born into that new system, it's still new. It's generations and generations before us that that were not brought into that system, were not born into that system. And that is a system of, of privilege, of relative privilege, right? And so when we think about timelines, when we think about expectations for how long this is gonna take, like movements only move at the speed of trust. And it's not until we uh, really work on ourselves. And I, I go back to self-care. My sister, Anana Harris-Paris, wrote the book, Self-Care Matters, A Revolutionary's Approach. It really, change starts within. Rob said it. Change starts within. We have to get ourselves right as individuals, take responsibility for our own personal traumas or you know whatever our experiences is as adults, get a therapist. Go work out, like do what you need to do for yourself to take care of yourself. And like my mama said, do what's best for you and help somebody else along the way, like Rob said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. I appreciate that. Rob, will you respond to that? Yeah, I was I'm sorry. I don't I don't I mean to talk out of turn. I know we made our last comments, but it's important that we that we do self-examine because most of us are probably listening to this thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have any sort of trauma or residual issues, you know. The, the no, same you hit stuff, man. Like, yeah. If you're right? doing it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
sorry. Yeah, we all have issues, and I think we need to really delve inside and and examine. Okay, do you have residual issues from you know uh, oppression and slavery and sort of this this post traumatic experience? And and it may be playing out in your life, right? There may be a cycle in your life. So you just just you know you have to sort of be humble and say, okay, maybe this is something I need to deal with. Okay, that I may not be aware of. You know, yeah. so that's something I think you know our you know our our community we need to really self-examine and look at. And obviously there's actions for other ethnicities and races too, I think also need to self-examine, right? We as a nation need to self-examine. So mm -hmm. that, that's it, Matt, thanks. And learn about a power analysis. Go Google the heck out of what is a power analysis and, and hierarchy and look at yourself in relation to that and how do you uphold systems of oppression? Thank you, I appreciate that. Lisa, you have any more retorts before I do I quote my closing statement? I'm good. Thanks, everyone. All right. So um, first off, I want to thank uh, Jasmine, Lisa, and Rob for this conversation. Um, Black Lives Matter, what really is Black Lives Matter? It is not an easy question to answer, as you can tell based on the panel and the conversation we had tonight. Um, but I do think we just rose to light the confusion, which is what I was looking for around Black Lives Matter, the importance around Black Lives Matter, and the perspectives that people have about Black Lives Matter. And I think it's important for those who are listening, those who are my guests as well, to be able to hopefully walk away from this, to have conversations in your own circles, those who are doing it professionally on a regular day-to-day -day basis, like I know Jasmine's doing, Lisa and Robert doing somewhat in their, in their lives. But for those that don't do it professionally in their lives, and this is just a regular everyday thing, but you want to be able to try to contribute to Black Lives Matter. Um, the, the, the thing I want everyone to be able to walk away with is that no one has the right answer um, at all. But when we try to take away from somebody's pain, whoever that those individuals are, in this case, we're talking about African-Americans, Blacks, uh, it makes it very difficult for those that are going through that pain to feel like they want to keep fighting, uh, no matter who it is. Um, so please take the time, get educated, self-examine yourself. If you're white, Black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever you are, uh, and so that way we can move the conversation forward in our own lives and in our own actions, uh, because we definitely want all lives to matter. Uh, to Jasmine's point, all lives matter uh, when black lives matter. Uh, but we also know that um, this has been very difficult for a lot of people in today's time. And I just hope that you all have enjoyed this conversation. Again, thanks again for those who joined online and commented, the civil commenters, I appreciate you. Uh, panel, please hold on and I'm ending the live right now. Thank everybody. Thanks everyone. Peace. Wow, what an amazing conversation. Feel free to go ahead and refill your water, get something else to eat, get a snack, whatever, uh, and then tune into the part two of this conversation right now.